Sharon Feeler with uh, ABC to CEO, and we have a special guest with us today for our, our Zoom conference, and it's uh, Jenny Bristol. We are very thrilled to have her, and uh, she is a CEO of a company that I would like you to tell us more about it because I've read all about you online, and I'd love to hear in your own words what it is your company does. Sure. So my company is called Anvil Analytics and Insights, and we're a digital marketing agency that focuses really heavily on analytics and business intelligence. So an easy way to say it is we're nerdy marketers. We're not the marketers you go to for a new logo um, or for a pretty brochure. You come to us if you have a certain amount of money to spend and you need to make sure you know exactly what sales came from it. Wonderful. And how long has this company been in existence? Um, my business partner and I started the company in 2015, um, so we're just getting ready to hit five years. Wonderful, right. And I guess uh, given our current pandemic environment, it's not quite business as usual at this point. So uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how this has impacted your business, if it has at all. I don't know, you know, be, because you're a digital company, maybe this is not a whole lot different than normal for you. Yeah, so I'll talk about how it's impacted us through two different lens, my employees and our team and then our clients. So for our employees, so I have about 20 employees. We have a beautiful new office we just moved into in downtown Clayton, which is a really nice business district in the St. Louis area. It's huge and beautiful and amazing. And then we walked away from it <laughs> about six weeks ago. It's sitting there waiting for us to come back. Um, but we knew this was coming. Um, I'm part of a business group that has a global presence. And a lot of the business owners in Italy were telling us what was coming down the pipe. And so we were about four weeks behind them. So we already knew that we were going to have to shelter in place. So we sent all of our employees home with all of their workstation things that they needed so monitors, full setups. Um, about two weeks before most other businesses did. So we had a really smooth transition. Most of our employees are loving working from home so much that we're looking at implementing a revised schedule when we do eventually go back to business as usual, where we're maybe only requiring three days in the office at a time per week versus five. It just really has been a joy. Now, there have been a handful of people that are going crazy not being at the office because <laughs> they can focus so much better. So we actually just this week opened it up where they're allowed. Uh, we have a sign up sheet up to five people a day can go into the office and work and use their big setups um, as long as they socially distant when they're in the office environment and don't get too close. Now, on the client side, a ton of our work is in the healthcare and private equity space. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so we actually thought we'd be pretty insulated from any sort of a recession um, or any sort of economic situation like we're faced with right now. But weirdly, both uh, healthcare and private equity have both been negatively impacted. Healthcare, because all of the actual revenue and profit driving procedures like bariatric or uh, knee replacement surgeries have all been put on hold. And that is what funds marketing for all the other parts of the house. Oh. And then equity firms don't want to buy any new companies right now because if they wait just a couple more months it might be a lot cheaper than if they were to buy it today so we've seen quite a few of our clients kind of 
put pull back a little bit. We actually haven't seen that many clients pause contracts completely. They're more saying, you know, this initiative isn't as big of a deal as it was a month ago. Let's spend time here instead. And then we'll get back to this side of the house whenever things get back to normal. And we're still landing new clients. I had a client sign a new contract today. So that's good news. That's very positive news. Mm -hmm. So in your judgment, uh, you as the leader of this organization, what do you think as far as the skill sets that you need to be a successful leader like you are, have the, has there been more emphasis on different skill sets during this period than maybe before this period of time, as far as leadership characteristics that you think are uh, effective right now? I think because it's remote, uh, simple things like communication and transparency mean a whole lot more when your employees are afraid. So whenever times are good and everybody sees all the new clients coming in and all of the big checks being written by these big proposals, employees aren't afraid. But whenever they're all working from home, being inundated with negative news, negative information on social media, being able to come into work Zoom meeting every Monday morning just to set the tone correctly for everybody. And we've been very transparent. When clients pause contracts or pivot, we've been telling everyone, we've been very clear about cash on hand and making sure people know their jobs are safe. We're not doing any layoffs. And that level of communication is a leadership quality that is difficult to achieve for sure, especially for people when they feel like some stuff in their business is nobody else's business, like overall revenue and some other financial metrics, they don't wanna share it. But my business partner and I have really shifted to more of an open book management style. We don't share all of our financials, but we found the more information we share with our employees, the better stewards they can be for making our business more successful. They know what levers to pull in order to make things more profitable or more efficient or effective. Um, and so really the two things that we're focusing on the most right now is communication, really overly communicating and then transparency. I was talking to somebody this morning who's in a, a large corporate organization and they of course are doing Zoom like everybody else and she, she happened to be used to an environment where they had about 250, 300 people in their office and now they're all home. And she said the one thing she can't feel anymore is the energy of the people yeah. through Zoom. She said our communications are good but she said there's this, this kind of intangible that you don't feel the energy. And in her mind, she is so anxious to get back to be in the presence of people again, to kind of almost by osmosis feel energy from each other. I wonder if you, if you experience any of that. So my team isn't so much. So we not only do the big all hand Zooms, but we use a, a team a communication tool called Slack that allows you to message really easily one on one or in small groups. And whenever we have a question, we encourage people to just do a quick video. So if you have something that's going to take more than two back and forth, just hit the Slack video call. It's just a one on one quick video chat for five minutes. And it's much easier and people love it. It really gives them that energy that they need and gives them that collaborative feeling for communication. And then also we're doing fun things like scheduling one-on-one -on -one lunches. So last week, for example, I have a senior employee that we usually catch up in the kitchen all the time. And we obviously haven't done that for a long time. So she actually reached out to me and put a one-on-one -on -one lunch and we just sat there eating our lunch catching up about personal lives and how things are going. Yeah, and so we're trying to work around it. Version of happy hour at lunch. 
It is. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well that, but th those are important things kind of to pass on to others, because I think that's a great idea to do lunch together over Zoom yeah. and, uh, and not necessarily talk business. You know, you do, great. it was a relationship you had and you want to keep it going. And uh, it has a lot to do with trying to make things as normal as possible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Especially for our employees, we've been really aware of mental health and making sure all of our managers are talking to all of their direct reports about it on a weekly basis or more if they need. Some of our employees live at home alone um, and they maybe have a dog or a cat, but they have no interaction with anyone. We have another employee who has two very, very young children, two kids under the age of three, and both he and his wife work full time. So they're juggling. And so we, we try to have an open dialogue like, look, this is hard. For some people, some of you, it's easy. Like for me and my kid free weeks, it's amazing. I'm so productive. It's awesome. The weeks I have kids, I'm homeschooling three kids. It's insane. So um, just kind of having more grace for people and understanding, which is actually one beautiful side effect I've noticed of this is whenever I'm on client Zoom calls, often kids will come around and kind of like, hi, and want to kind of join the conversation. In the past, people would have free... <laughs> said no 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 no, mommy or daddy's on a call get out of here stay out and now it's like Susie wants to say hi hi okay go back to your puzzle and so people just embrace it now and there's yeah it's beautiful yeah that really is so you tell me a little bit about your background and how you started and you know as you know ABC to CEO is is a opportunity for young women to learn about leadership and really think of it from the perspective of being a female and how that can be different. Um, so I, you are a, a success story. You are exactly what ABC to CEO hopes to accomplish with other women who are interested in doing the kinds of things you, you have done successfully. So tell us a little bit about kind of even going back to high school, were you are there things from high school or college that you think helped you to get to where you are today? Yeah, so I actually started my first business in seventh grade. So I grew up on a farm and the rule was if you didn't have a way to make money, otherwise you had to be outside working on the farm. And I didn't like the heat. It's funny as an adult, I do anything to go spend a day outside, but as a kid, I did not want to do it. So I taught myself how to hand code websites and I started a web design company in seventh grade. Wow. So right when the internet was coming out, it was in 1997. And so my small town, all of the businesses were wanting websites. And so I designed websites for all the local churches, local photography companies, even the local school districts. And so I did that all through high school or middle school and high school. And it was really beautiful. I was very lucky because my dad was an entrepreneur. So he owned and still owns a custom cabinet company. So I saw him be entrepreneurial and create his own future. And then my mom was a teacher. So she was really good at being able to identify and foster my strengths without doing the work for me. So she would say, for example, you know, there are, there are tax implications to making money. Wow. We go talk to a CPA and you can tell them what you're wanting to do with your business and then they can tell you what you need to do to be legal. So she took me to a CPA. She sat there with me. I asked all the questions. 
She helped me put all my proposals together. I would do them. And then she would review them and say, well, what about, or have you thought about, and just kind of poke and prod to kind of guide me in the directions that we needed. And she spent hundreds of dollars on uh, books that taught me CSS and HTML and all the coding language, I did, which was really wonderful, but very wow. It's really a great story for young women to hear. So then you got to high school and then what happened? So then I decided to go to Maryville University here in St. Louis. They were actually the first school in the country with an undergrad degree for e-marketing, which is what it was called at the time. Now it's called digital marketing, but first school in the country. So I was part of their inaugural class that graduated. So, but again, my family didn't have a lot of money. Um, so I had to work full time while I was going to school. So I was a non-traditional student went to school nights and weekends, and I got a job as a marketing assistant at a healthcare recruiting company. So I worked nine to five every day, Monday to Friday, and I'd go to work or school. And I had 18 credit hour semesters. It was intense, but I learned so much. I always joke that my professors either loved me or hated me because I would be the one, like in an email marketing class, I'd be the one that would say, yeah, but... Uh, the can't spam law of 2003 just came out. Why aren't we talking about that and making sure people understand compliance? <laughs> or I tested what you said last week and that didn't work. Do you have any other ideas? Because <laughs> I was implementing. I was so lucky. My boss at the time said I could spend as much money on marketing as I wanted as long as I got a certain return. And so I was able to test everything I was learning real time. And it was an amazing experience. That is an amazing experience. Yeah. So you got a degree then in, in marketing. Uh, digital, it's called digital marketing or that's what you call it now? Yep. Digital marketing. And then um, my husband at the time and I moved to Seattle. So we were young, fell in love with the city, really no reason other than that. And we decided to move, um, had no kids yet. So it was a really, really fun time in my life. And I decided to start an agency. So I, um, which is one thing I want to talk about as far as tips for young women. In my job, whenever I was working for those four years, I took every speaking opportunity I could get. So I went and talked at healthcare conferences, at recruiting conferences about marketing and how to use it to be able to grow your business. So when I moved to Seattle, I had three people reach out to me and ask me to do consulting work for them because they had seen me speak and saw my LinkedIn profile change that I was looking. And so I seized the opportunity and started an agency. And so I started a digital agency out there. And in the first year, I grew it to over a million in revenue and 11 full-time employees. I was 23 at the time. And then uh, the recession happened. So it was a difficult time for most people. I luckily was um, diversified enough in different industries that from a revenue perspective, it didn't hit me. But I saw an opportunity because at this time, four people called me. I'm really good at like identifying groupings. So four people called me this time and they were all wanting to start their own digital marketing agencies. And they said, you know, I, I knew you back when you worked here and now I saw you started an agency. I'm thinking about buying this franchise. Um, I want you to look at it and tell me if I should do it. And I looked at it and the initial fee was $50,000 and 5% of the, their revenue for the life of the business. And I thought, what if I did it for half that? So I offered to all of them, I will teach you how to do this for $25,000 up front and no percentage ongoing. And they all 
yes. So overnight, I pivoted my business model to a training company. So all of my employees then helped train other new business owners to start agencies. And I helped launch 97 new agencies around the world in the US, Canada, and Qatar in 18 months. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't For that? Yeah. Beth and I talked to a lot of people, and that is a really incredible story. Oh, it is incredible. So, uh, wow. So then somehow, though, you. Uh, um, you did this, so this would have been, I guess, what, about 10 years ago, uh, oh. the recession you said. So um, you made your way, you enjoyed that, but yet you picked up and tried something new. Yeah, well, so uh, continuing from there, so I had somebody courting me to buy that business, and I was saying, no, 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 I'm not selling this business. But then my first son was born at um, 27 weeks, so he was born at the very beginning of the third trimester, three months early. It was only pounds, it was due to an umbilical cord accident, like one of those things you can never, ever, um, you know, anticipate. And that person heard we were in the NICU. We ended up being in the NICU for 77 days. And like three weeks in, he called me again and said, now do you want to sell? And I said, yes, take it. I can't do this. I can't manage a whole employee, you know, team of employees and a baby uh, that's in intensive care. And so I sold that business and I was a stay at home mom for about six months after he got out of the NICU and then Amazon called me. So they had heard about the training that I did and they wanted to bring me in to train their marketers to uh, think more about holistic marketing and wanted me to come in and do some training. So I went and I worked there for about a year and then we decided to move back to St. Louis. So for us, the for me in particular, the value of being around family was far, far surpassing um, professional opportunities for being in a certain city. So picked up and moved back. And then I spent about two years working for other people, either in uh, leadership or consultative roles to build my network up in St. Louis again. And then I started Anvil. So networking is a real key, it sounds like with you, either through speaking or just through continuing relationships. Yeah. So it was pretty exciting. When I started Anvil, um, we again did over a million in our first year simply because I had the network ready to go. And so one of the things that I think young women don't place big enough emphasis on is fostering their own network. They spend so much time trying to be really, really, really good at their craft or making sure their projects they deliver are perfect. They forget that how you actually get ahead in life professionally is by who you know. You have to be good at what you do, obviously, but it's who you know that opens up opportunities. And men just instinctively get that. That's what the old boys club is all about. Golfing, cigar clubs, women haven't had that. And so really spending time going out and creating these friendships has led to tremendous professional success for me. I even started a, um, a women who whiskey club teaching women how to drink whiskey that were interested in learning. They were like, no, I only like white wine. I'm like, well, if you want to network with men, it's good to know how to drink whiskey. So once a quarter before quarantine, I'd held a few of them to teach women these skills so they can go and engage and feel um, like they're part of the club and not, you know, like they're an outsider looking in. Right. Beth, we've been doing a lot of talking about this. This is kind of right up your alley, all this networking. What kind of questions do you have? So many. Okay, first of all, 
I've fallen in love. Aren't you just in love with Jenny's Absolutely. energy? And I love it. Our amazing. Role model. <laughs> amazing. There's so many things I want to talk about, but one of the things when we're talking about your qualities, um, your ability to see around corners mm -hmm. or to see ahead and to imagine a possibility and a path. I'm just wondering about that quality in you. Yeah. And I mean, obviously it sounds like in your parents, we found, we've done a little bit of research at ABC to CEO in what parents do. You know, when you look at the Wright brothers, their mm -hmm. mother was an inventor. Really? You know, they grew up with a lab in their home and her, their grandfather was an inventor. And we look at how you were raised and ABC to CEO, one of our target audiences is young women, young girls, girls and the, the adults who care about them and then young women pre and early career. And then of course, adults who can help, who really want to help bring along the next generation and the next generation after that and after that. So thinking about you and your ability to see around corners, can we talk about that in you? Because I know you see it in yourself too. I think you do. I definitely do. Um, that for me has been one of the key ways I've been successful in addition to networking is being able to see a couple steps ahead and trusting my intuition that this is where things are going. So for example, whenever I came back to start Anvil, I met my business partner. So he owned a web design and development company and was sending work to me as a marketer to help build marketing for his clients. And I would send the clients back to him to do more web work. And we just joined forces um, with this new company. And I told him the number one thing we need to focus on is analytics. That is the differentiator for the next six years. At that point, it'll be normalized. But for right now, that's what we need to focus on from a messaging perspective. And so I don't know where that trait came from, um, but I'm pretty good at market timing is not with stock markets, but with my own businesses and understanding the influences, uh, the geographical triggers. Like I'm in St. Louis, so our competition here is less for people who want to work locally or even within the region than it would be on either coast. And so figuring out our niche and really doubling down on it is something that I spend a lot of time thinking about. Okay, amazing. And so when you look at the times that we're in right now, what are, what are you seeing as opportunities business-wise that you can talk about? And also as you think about young women who are ambitious and who want to get ahead themselves, what opportunities might you see in, in business and in careers? Yeah, so for our business, what we're doing right now is really focusing on providing resources and building relationships with people in the healthcare and private equity space. We know they're not buying right now, they're not making purchasing decisions, but they will be in about six to eight months. And so we wanna make sure we're the agency that they can't wait to sign a contract with because they've watched us, they went to our webinars, it was really great content, we were engaging, and they can't wait to sign a contract. And so uh, what we're seeing from a budget perspective is I anticipate all of their budgets are gonna turn back on again mid-summer, mm -hmm. and then they're gonna normalize. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're planning on. For every young woman that I talk to that asks my advice about what they should focus on, I tell them something technical and difficult. So any way that you can go into an industry where you as a woman is a minority, you should be focused on, whether it's in the sciences, engineering, math, uh, analytics and data. And the reason why is because we're kind of a novelty. I, I, I actually view this as a positive. I know a lot of women are frustrated about being the only woman in the room. I see it as an advantage. 
because I can pick up the phone and I can call anybody, male or female, usually male right now, that's still most of the decision makers. And I can say, hey, I want to talk to you about business intelligence. We'll talk about um, you know, normalization of data, the data lake, all of that, throw technical terms out. Every single one of them will say yes, I think out of curiosity, because I think they're like, does she really know what she's talking about? <laughs> like how women did this? And that, that mentality still exists. In my generation and down, it's going away. But if you're dealing with older people that are, uh, you know, in their, I say older, older than myself, I'm in my 30s. So really season up in your career, there still is that stigma of, do women really know what they're talking about? And so any field you can go in where you have a strength and like an inherent strength at that topic and you're passionate about it, don't shy away from it just because you're afraid that it's a man-driven industry lean into it because of that. Yeah, that kind of leads me to uh, one of the subjects I'm always interested in is as you work with women, do you see some pitfalls in the path sometimes women take that keep them from being able to be successful? I would go back to that lack of networking. So many of them think that they're deliverables and work product is so strong, of course they'll be promoted. My presentation I did is so beautiful. Of course, people are going to promote me to that VP position. Not if you're not smoozing with the other VPs. There's so much more politics involved in business than I ever understood when I was young into it. And now that I understand, I feel empowered. Because once you understand the game, you know how to play it. And so making sure you always understand who the decision makers are in the room, the real decision makers, will really put you in the driver's seat for your career. Yeah, that's, that's a very, very good point. I feel like we've covered, I mean, just through our conversation, I know we, you know, kind of talked about um, some of the things, the traits and things, but just through our conversation, I feel like we've hit upon a lot of things. Um, is there something else you could add? Yeah. One thing that I would love to add is to encourage women not to be in young girls, not to be afraid to ask for a mentor. I mean, that was one thing that I didn't even realize what that meant. And really the way you should look at that is just somebody who's further along in the, your, in the career trajectory that you want to go down, that you'll have a friendship with, that you can reach out to with questions. It's nothing formal. I have a lot of mentors, uh, probably like five or six, and I meet with them maybe once a quarter or twice a year for lunch, dinner, or happy hour, and just catch up on life. And they give me advice really informally. It doesn't have to be something super structured, but seeking out people that you admire telling them that you admire them and why and asking if you can just go out to lunch um, just to develop a relationship is really beneficial. It's a two-way street of benefit. The person that you're asking will be very flattered that you ask them and then you'll benefit from that relationship. So don't be afraid to reach out. Very good point. Yes. So much I want to continue. I hope that we can continue the conversation and the relationship and I can't tell you, you, of course you nailed it in exactly 30 minutes. <laughs> you probably do whatever you're set out to do and, and then a little bit better, always. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jenny. You represent so much that we're trying to encourage and, and we can do to help young women have confidence will allow them to then take the next step of, okay, I can do that. With one of the questions, but I, I 
It's like wondering, do you ever, have you ever doubted yourself? And I do think so many women struggle with doubt. And I feel like that, that to me, for you watching you, I just imagine you never do doubt yourself. I don't. I actually have this weird sense of uh, naive confidence that I can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Naive confidence. Of course I do it. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> yeah, you know, one of the things I counsel young women on sometimes is when they're with the boss and the boss is asking them to do something and in their mind they're thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know if we can do this. But what I teach them to say is, let me look into that to see how we can do it. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Even though in the back of their mind they're thinking, I don't have a clue how we're going to do this. <laughs> 